What's the future of entertainment and technology in the car? Imagine you get in the car and simply hit the on button for your stream and it plays exactly what you like because it's learned your likes and your dislikes over time, combining it with where you are, the type of vehicle you're in, etc. And again, kind of just disappears and becomes, you know, this perfect experience when you're in the car. That's Roy Casino, Rivet's data science specialist. And this is Talking the Drive, where people who create what's next in the car reimagine what's possible. I'm John McLeod, and joining Roy and me are Rivet colleagues, editorial guru Charlie Meyerson and president Cindy Palaskis. Roy, why are car companies so slow to innovate? It seems they might be slow to innovate simply with some of the concepts of change management. Things have been this way. They've worked. There's a hesitation to change it. I think that's combined with the idea that consumers as well as the car companies may not realize the potential of what they're missing. By using consumer listening data and some data science, we can help create a very unique media content stream for different users based on listening data from all other users that are listening to the stream combined with some unique experiences tweaked for that particular user based on their likes. So the result would be content that's perfectly customized for any given user you know, while they're driving in that car for that time spent. The car is the ultimate moving device. How can location change that experience? I think knowing where people are and understanding is someone in a commute? Are they in a commute in a city? Are they in a commute in a specific city? Are they in a road trip? And so understanding the context of the drive could add a lot of interesting data for the algorithms to decide what songs, what news, what order to play things in. So for example, if I'm on my daily 45-minute commute, knowing that I have 45 minutes during which I can be entertained, and so doing a playlist that's optimized for that amount of time versus if I'm running to the grocery store and I've got eight minutes, you might have a very different set of content that you prioritize playing for me during that time. So I think understanding not just location, but also how that specific XYZ coordinate plays into the intent of the driver during that time could be really interesting information for curating an experience. Charlie, do you think location and context can create a new form of local news? Well, I mean, John, you know well that that you and I and the rest of the team at Rivet uh, staked a, a lot of our early exploits on just that possibility. And it, and it is, I mean, the, the ability to deliver a completely relevant traffic report, for instance, to someone based on their location at that moment in time is in many ways a tremendous time saver for the audience because there's no reason for someone on the south side of Chicago to hear what the expressway conditions are like on the north side of Chicago. The ability to get that kind of pinpoint focus in a traffic report is uh, is a wonderful thing. And yet, in the years since we first birthed that notion at Rivet, you know, new concerns have risen and legitimate concerns about privacy, the government's ability or anyone's ability to track location. And so I think that um, while there's tremendous progress, uh, uh, promise there, uh, I also think that uh, those of us in the information delivery business uh, have to solve some serious problems about how we can use that information to help people while also protecting their privacy. And that is going to be a tough nut to crack. People freely provide their location with their navigation system. How does an audio traffic report change how you would think about the spectrum of products that can be delivered 
for traffic, but using audio as a priority instead of the navigation system. I think what Charlie was talking about, about pinpoint traffic reports is a really interesting concept. So a lot of the the design for traffic has been designed that smartphone, again, smartphone apps have been leapfrogging the development of what's possible in the car. And a lot of the design for traffic has been how to optimize that visual representation of what's congested, about how to factor the traffic into the navigation system itself so that the routes that are developed are the traffic optimized route. But when you really think about it, most people know where they're going. And if they just understood what the traffic was at any point in time, they could reroute themselves on the fastest possible way. So back to the commute example, I don't need turn by turn directions from my house to my office. So if having a car that knows exactly where I am and helps me make those drive time decisions at a point where it's useful information that I can take action on and not bothering me with turn by turn directions, not cluttering my visual screen up with, you know, red, yellow, and green traffic, but really just giving me the information that I need to make decisions at the point I need to make it is, you know, seems like a dream well into the future. But as Charlie said, something that we know is possible because we did it at Rivet using text-to-speech, location, and a little um, clever algorithms in figuring out where people are. It's not a problem. It's not rocket science. It's just the will to get it done. We're seeing an evolution towards self-driving cars. How do you think that'll change what consumers want? I imagine that having self-driving cars will accelerate the change where people are anxious for your entertainment and infotainment choices to match what you can get in every other kind of, to use your word, theater that you're in, whether it's your home theater, your smartphone, et cetera. I imagine that with smart driving cars, for a couple of reasons, that's going to accelerate that. One if your car is smart enough to drive itself, why isn't it giving me the entertainment options I want? So understanding the all the technology that's going into these cars, I, I think the threshold for tolerance of old technology and infotainment and entertainment options is going to um, decrease and people are going to expect more. And I think second, obviously, you know, the point Roy was making where when you're driving, you're hands are busy, your hands are occupied, you you can't be scrolling and, and clicking and choosing. And so self-driving cars are going to free up um, some mind space and, and hand space to be able to interact and, and select different entertainment options, infotainment options, and, and commerce options. So you can imagine that as you're driving, you can be, um, you know, doing things like pre-shopping at the, at the CVS you're about to go to, to, to pick up your prescription on the way home or, or what have you. So putting all of that at a driver's fingertips seems like a huge opportunity for car companies, for different Silicon Valley companies to kind of get involved in this, this next generation of commerce in the driver's seat. How can content and data benefit car companies? So the car companies really, if they could free themselves up and and think about what could they do with all this content, all this data, really putting the driver and the passengers first and making sure that they have value that goes to, to those individuals that are their customers, and then figuring out what the car, how the car companies can get involved in all of these commerce opportunities, whether it's scheduling service at your friendly neighborhood car company um, auto shop, because you know where people are driving and when services do, whether it's having the vehicle be a platform for e-commerce itself, you know, where we've gone a little bit with electronic tolling. Imagine if the car companies could get involved and, and actually become 
kind of a critical part of financial transactions. And once you had car companies involved in parking and in e-tolling, in road usage taxes, et cetera, suddenly car companies could become, you know, the same thing that Apple is with with my smart wallet. You could have a smart wallet in your car. And then the the options are kind of limitless. If you think about all the different ways Apple Pay or I'm assuming there's a Google Pay and all these things can be involved in day-to-day commerce from a walking around perspective, the car could be doing, could be just as front and central from a driving around perspective. Does this create opportunities for brands to engage and even have conversations with drivers and passengers and even extend the marketing beyond the dealership? Absolutely. I think that Improving the entertainment and infotainment options that are available to their drivers and passengers would let the car companies learn, first of all, what they're interested in. And you can imagine that a BMW versus a Toyota might have a whole different set of programming for their for what's available in their car when they get feedback from the users. And you could imagine that there's programming that's only available, you know, maybe it's free for the premium classes of cars and you can get a subscription, if you're in the lower class and still participate or what have you, you could have concerts, you could have access to stand-up comedians or looking at the SiriusXM model have kind of dedicated, really engaging, really popular content. And by getting that feedback from their consumers, they could not only optimize the infotainment options and entertainment options that they're providing, but they can actually uh, be exclusive about them. And so that you can imagine having a BMW driving experience versus an Audi driving experience, and they can charge money for them. You know, it's, it's an interesting opportunity that, that, again, the car companies could be front and center, not only for e-commerce, as I was talking about before, but actually for entertainment. I'm going to jump in, Cindy, and, and offer a, a different perspective. You know, I think the best experience for a consumer, someone who's buying or operating a, a, a car, uh, is is going to be a, a multimedia system or an interactive entertainment system that disappears. I mean, that just is there and does what you want it to do, just as brakes or headlights or windshield wipers do what you want to do. And the idea of a branded experience in the car is almost self-defeating because if you're aware of the brand that you're using, that means that you probably have to adjust your behavior in some way to accommodate that system. It may be a, a self-defeating process uh, to come up with a, a branded experience in the car. Well, I, I love what you're saying when comparing it to the driving, to the physical driving experience, because I would say that there is, you know, a branded BMW physical driving experience where people that have BMW cars or Porsches or high-end whatever cars stay pretty loyal to those brands because they love the way those cars drive. And so All right, and I should add you're talking to a Toyota guy here. So and Toyota. <laughs> so you know, do I know? there's a branded <laughs> Toyota driving experience where there's a reliability, there's a comfort. And so while it may not be a branded where it's in your face branded, overall the driving experience of those cars is branded. And that's what the engineers in those car companies you know, work hard to create is a branded differentiated driving experience. And I see no reason why the infotainment entertainment experience should be different. So I I understand what you're saying where you might want to, you might want it to fall away, but it only falls away because you've decided that you love it. And so you don't notice the brand of something that you love. If If it's irritating, if it's not what you want, if it's not differentiated and it's not providing you with, you know, joy, you will notice it because you'll be frustrated. 
I just say there's some tension there between the priorities of the manufacturer who wants to create that kind of unique experience and the perspective of the consumer who wants stuff that just works. I love the way you put that. The tension. This is one of the biggest challenges for designing and delivering content and technology in the car. There's so many constituents and perspectives on this. There's a lot of tension. That's the perfect word to describe the reason why the car companies are so slow. We're seeing it now with, you know, Apple creating the Apple Play experience and Google creating whatever the Android counterpart is to it that obviously hasn't been branded as well as Apple Play. You know, their intent is to create one experience that works the same across all of the cars, all the vehicles that that work with that. And, uh, you know, that that works to Apple's advantage. It, to some extent, works to the consumer's advantage. It runs counter to the the priorities of the automakers who, you know, want to own the experience. And remember, from the uh, data science view, I, I think one of the advantages that we're talking about here is, in fact, this extra data that the OEMs might know now, which would help them brand and create this unique experience. So, for example, the Apple CarPlay can't tell the content that I'm currently sitting in a BMW or that I'm currently sitting in a Chevy Corvette. The OEMs have that ability. So I think there really is a, a potential for an experience that the brands would really be looking forward to, to say, I know whether you're in a seven passenger minivan versus the two passenger sports car. And what I love about that is it goes back to Charlie's point about privacy. And so if you can explain to people why having access to their different information is valuable to them, then we've seen that people are willing to give access to information. And the car companies are the ones that have access to what you're talking about, Roy, the type of car, where you are, all of that data. And if you're able to provide an experience that capitalizes on all of that and rewards the recipient of the infotainment with really personalized, contextually relevant, engaging experiences, then you can imagine that equation works a lot better versus if it's people that don't have access to that data and aren't in the car companies aren't wanting to give it to the apples and the and the googles etc that you end up with innovation kind of halting like it has today if we you know pull off the experience that we that we envision here and that we're talking about where uh, you know we heard charlie mention it where it's minimal touch it, it needs to almost disappear that's exactly what we're saying imagine the different drivers and different brands and different vehicles all stepping out of the vehicle and saying that experience was perfect for me and disappeared in a sense, you know, to use Charlie's words, but we would say, actually, here's the secret guys. You all had a different stream delivered to you. I love this vision. I think this is something that's possible, but what's holding us back? It seems we have all the components to do it, all the technology components. I really think it's two things we mentioned earlier. I think part of it is we just haven't implemented this realization yet. I think if we did it, this is one of these sorts of things where consumers don't quite know what they're missing or what could be out there simply because we haven't done it. I think once we do it and, and it's doable, we have the components, I think that experience would be uh, much different and much more accepted than what we have today. Today, you get in the car and you, you tune your radio back and forth and you try to find things you like and, and you miss things you like. Imagine like you get in the car and simply hit the on button for your stream and it plays exactly what you like because it's learned your likes and your dislikes over time, combining it with where you are, the type of vehicle you're in, et cetera. And again, kind of just disappears and becomes, you know, this perfect experience when you're in the car. 
Our guests on Talking the Drive have been Roy Casino, Charlie Meyerson, and Cindy Palaskis. I'm John McLeod, and I welcome your thoughts. Drop me a line at drive at rivet360.com. Talking the Drive is produced by Rivet360, a technology and production company that's excited about what's next for people, places, and things. Thank you.